Hello and welcome to this episode of Insightfully Speaking. I'm Adam Osborne and I'm here again with my co-hosts Annie Sinclair and Umberto Schubert as we delve into recent events, news and anything else that catches our eye while we look at the world from a spiritist perspective. In this episode, our special guests are Danusa Hangel from London and Fred Govea from New York. The topics we are talking about today are of the very sensitive nature of prejudice and racism. We will also be looking at some of your questions for What Does Spiritism Say About? And as always, we will have a moment of reflection with Annie. But first, we have had such great response from everyone who's been listening to us and watching the previous episodes. We've had listeners from the UK, Ireland, America, Brazil, Germany, Australia, India, Estonia, Lithuania, and beyond. So please continue to contact us and follow Kardec Group and Insightfully Speaking on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also contact us via the Kardec Group website, www.kardec.org.uk, and you can always email us at insightfully at kardec.org.uk. So let's bring on our co-hosts, Annie, Umberto, how have you been this past month? Well, uh, it's been uh, a month of greater hope for, for me, at least here in the UK. Uh, spring advances at a lovely space and uh, flowers everywhere. Birds are singing, making their nests. But also in terms of for us, for the COVID restrictions, they are reducing. Uh, we are uh, seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. So in that terms of our local uh, situation, uh, with all respect to all the other ones, we're thinking we have a little bit of a breathing space. That's how I feel at the moment. Hello, dear friends and audience. Um, as you may know, we uh, are not dealing very well with the pandemic here in Brazil but things have been fine for, for me and my family at least. We have uh, sad news uh, from uh, acquaintances and, and, and friends that uh, lost relatives, uh, but so far we are managing to, to keep hopeful. Uh, personally, I'm trying to invest time in my garden. I have a big garden and it helps me to uh, focus on something more practical. Yep. And how's the pizza oven coming along? It's improving. <laughs> it's slowly uh, coming to 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 being <laughs> to, to its final form, and uh, I hope that it looks more like a megalithic um, building or, or dolmen. A pantheon, perhaps. Maybe. <laughs> Well, ab absolutely. Uh, the past month has been sort of tears and joy throughout the world. Um, but we'll come on to some of those topics in a little moment. But let's bring on our special guests. So Danusa Hangel is in London. She is graduated in linguistics and is currently starting a master's degree in dementia and mental health. She has also recorded the English audiobook version of Child of God, a small book of messages from the spirit Joanna G. Angelis. Fred Govea is a musician and is in New York City, America. He has been studying spiritism in America for 20 years and is the host of the fantastic Spirit Re Reflections show, which is on Facebook and YouTube. 
Welcome both of you. How have you been and how has this pandemic affected you this past year? I've been well. I've been well. Um, I, thankfully, it's, it's been because I was in social care. It hasn't really stopped for me because of it's, it's, it's the area where 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 it's mostly needed. But as 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 we learn within spiritism, you can't be a hundred percent well to your neighbours beside you going through the turmoil that everybody is going through in the world. So I suppose I've been busier than usual, um, but too grateful for the opportunity of being able to be productive and steady and be able to be out there and and helping a little bit. So complaints from my side, but definitely hopeful for a brighter, <laughs> for a brighter, you know, upcoming future for all of us. I've been super well. I'm in New York now at the height of spring. So the city is very colorful. The trees in Central Park are in all different colors and blossoming just very beautifully. And I get touched from tears of allergy and emotion. <laughs> So it's been it's been a good journey. The city is also opening back to mention briefly on the COVID status here. Um, since this, most people have been getting the vaccines, the city's progressively opening more and more. So it starts to feel normal again. Start, it, we just don't have the massive amount of overseas tourists, but the city is definitely more packed, more louder, full of that usual energy that we associate with New York City. So it feels good. Thank you. So it, well, it's an absolute pleasure to have both of you with us today. Um, and like we already said at the start, we know that there are good things and bad things happening recently. And right now we know people are still going through lots of hardships on various levels. Number of COVID cases in India has risen a lot. And there are shortages of beds, vaccines and oxygen, similar to like we've seen in other countries, including Brazil. In Israel, just this past weekend, at the time of recording, there were multiple fatalities due to overcrowding at a religious festival, which in itself was actually to celebrate the end of mass deaths due to a virus 2000 years ago. The European Super League, an elitist football association, ended before it even started, with mass protests by hundreds of thousands of football fans in Europe. Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, along with the whole world, said goodbye to His Royal Highness Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, who passed away at the age of 99 years old. And in America there have been an increase in the number of new stories relating to racial profiling and police treatment of people from black and Asian communities. One of the biggest stories related to this has, of course, been the court trial of American police officer Derek Chauvin, who was convicted of murdering George Floyd in May 2020, when excessive force was used by kneeling on Floyd's neck for 9 minutes and 29 seconds. Needless to say that the events that took place, which occurred at a time when most of the world was starting to be in lockdown, affected people far more than similar events from previous years or decades. Danusa, Fred, what are your views of these events relating to George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement? I, I was actually thinking about this earlier this morning. For some reason, this came to me and perhaps it came to me because I feel like I need to share in the context of our conversation. I 
was in the mediumistic meeting a few years ago here in New York with my beloved group that I was a part of for many years, Inner Enlightenment Spiritist Society. And our Monday meetings, always on the Monday evenings, on that Monday, it was a national holiday in the United States for Veterans Day, which celebrates all those that perished in wars, all wars in the United States. And it's an event that brings veterans from all over the country to celebrations, to, to, to show the state of patriotism, patriotism people respected. They, they wear their full clothes of, and, and, and the medals. It's quite a very beautiful display. And so that evening, the person in charge of giving us the closing prayer slash meditation uh, was supposed to also do a prayer directed to all of the spirits involved in wars and veterans so that we can send healing energies to them. And to my surprise, as I had my eyes closed, I began to notice an, a phenomenon, a, a visual phenomenon through my mediumship, which was later confirmed by the other mediums on the table of very, very similar impressions. And that was that all of a sudden, from both sides of the room, started filling in a lot of soldiers, all of whom were neo-Nazi soldiers. They had the full regalia with the swastika, with the black helmet, and they started to assemble and they started to kneel around our table. And right next to me on my right, I could very vividly see one of them. They all sort of had this synchronized choreography that they were doing that they took out their hat and he looked up and his eyes were full of tears and he said, I could hear his voice saying, why, why doesn't anybody pray for us? We also suffered so much. And then as he said that, I started crying and I could see these showers of roses and petals, pink, blue, purple, all different colors. And it was one of the most powerfully healing moments that I've ever experienced in my mediumship in a spiritist setting like this. And the reason I bring all of this up is for us to have the same level of compassion from all sides of the story that's unfolding before our, our eyes. And I think that helps us to then not go, I agree with this, I disagree with this, yes or no, one or the other, as opposed to both, you know. When, um, from, from my perspective, it's difficult about Black Lives Movement from with empathizing, and it's it's sad to think that in 2021 we're still learning that we need to wash our hands and that Black Lives Matter. We should be involved enough to to be able to progress past these facts. But the fact is, that, and if we go back to the gospel of uh, the the gospel of Christianity, which is you know the, the basis, the morality of our of our of our spiritual understanding. We have in the Gospel and chapter of um, Spirit Mohouse, he says, if I can quote, um, that it's come to these moral ideas to be changed, but do not think, however, that these developments will be effective without a fight. So the emergence of the darkness that we're seeing now being, being displayed on the media is true to all of us because we've all been blind to it, not because just because we haven't seen it, because, but now it's just it's in our face. No matter where you turn around, the information is there. But the fact is that racism has been has been um, has been going on for a very long time. 
events have been happening for a very long time. It's only now that getting an opportunity to really emanate our compassion and our understanding and our um, um, indignation should have towards these 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 acts. The fact that there's more of us aware of it now is important. So as um, Fred perfectly put, the, 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 it's important to have it was quoted that it's important that the scandal emerges, but simply just for our awareness, it's not meant to be continued. My main concern is my main concern is is the anger that it's emerging, and that's the opposite of what we're trying to establish here. You know, if we're trying to shine light on them, um, we need to shine light. We, we we can't do that with anger, with frustration, with um, destruction. There needs to be uh, somebody needs to turn the other cheek. And when I say that, I mean that morally. Um, could go on forever, Adam. So <laughs> please. <laughs> That's fine. I was going to ask as well what you thought about the amount of attention that the media has given to these events. Yeah, when all these uh, events have been unfolding, I've been kind of checking myself. And one of the things that I was feeling, that's a lot of polarization going on. You are for or against, you're with us or you're against us, whichever camp you're talking about. And I thought, this is not good. <laughs> we need to be like reaching out and building bridges and acknowledging our own shortcomings and say, what can we do to improve it? Nobody's perfect. This is a world, there's a world of tests and atonements. It's quite a primitive world still. Thank God that these things are happening. We are all awakening. It's a rude awakening. It's a shakening. But I'm thinking of how it goes forward. It's quite delicate because I could easily be sort of absorbed into, you know, I could feel myself perhaps being pulled into one camp or another, polarizing myself. So I really need to be checking myself. And I think that uh, the media, is the, their interest is to generate uh, passion on both sides and like say, how can you tolerate this or how can you take this, whatever the issue is. And we need to be careful of that, who's using our emotions for their own objectives. So it's time, I think, for a lot of us to reflect, to go inside, to look at ourselves, at our unconscious biases, our unconscious racism, or, or unconscious uh, divisions that we have. Where are our, our shortcomings? And face them and acknowledge them and work with them and reach out because our progress as humanity, we are one family, the human family, and we will need to come together and we will come together in the law of love. But how long this will take will depend a lot on how we progress because progress is inevitable. But if we do it in a positive way and work with it, then we can achieve it sooner rather than later. And I think for everybody, it, it can be a very challenging time and I think an important time of self-reflection and self-knowledge. Well, uh, we usually think about this matter as a social issue, but uh, this is only a social uh, issue in its results because in, in the fundamental core or in its principles, it is a moral issue and uh, a deep philosophical one. I, I believe that 
any uh, possible form of prejudice uh, comes from materialism because it is only and exclusively the materialistic perspective that make us uh, judge on the base of bodies of our geographical origin or our gender, our um, uh, financial uh, situation or any other form of uh, physical uh, judgment that uh, is behind the prejudices that we usually see. Now, when we have a more spiritualistic uh, perspective, we uh, are more prepared to judge everyone based on character, thoughts and actions, which are the deeds of the spirit, the, 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 um, the parts of uh, the spiritual life that we can see. And once we are uh, prepared or used to judge people on the base of, um, of the spiritual side, I think we, uh, we will uh, naturally move to a society without prejudice. And if we think too much about the social aspect of the thing, we may mistakenly uh, uh, we, we may mistakenly confuse uh, the consequences with uh, the causes of these problems. Now, Fred, I was going to ask because you're in America, how were things during the time of the protests and? The, even with the recent trial itself, because I was in America during the time of 9-11 in 2001, and all the events were on TV 24-7. Was it the same case just recently? It certainly was. And I think that it was an important moment for the entire country if they chose to attune to that and turn on their television sets, the most obvious places that they would end up seeing in the nationally televised uh, channels they were seeing that moment. I think it further reinforces the importance of this uh, historic moment since uh, the United States is very uh, advanced in its history of civil rights, but at the same time it always had a lot of issues with Martin Luther King in the 1960s when a beautiful movement from a, led by a spirit who was truly a missionary spirit, very evolved, elevated, was shot down literally and caused an internal anger from people, naturally so. And after that, it has kind of been put to the sidelines and police brutality has been an ongoing issue for decades. So it took that nine minute video to really light the fire and call people to action. And we, to, to put that into a spiritist perspective, in, I was just looking at the law of destruction, which is one of the laws in the spirits book where they say that in our current type of planet, stage of evolution, the destructions are necessary and they're, they're meant to be transformative precisely so that we can begin to look more at the spirit less than the material. Our ability, our spirit's ability to overcome matter, to, to mention what Umberto had just talked about. And so that as, the, as in more advanced planets in the universe, this type of manifestation of quote-unquote destruction is not like this. It's not carried out with, with drama and violence and pain and suffering the way we are seeing it because we still need to 
experience these things in order to jolt our spirit's willpower to prioritize the spirit over the material senses. And so I believe it's an, it's an educational, educational moment for all Americans of all colors, ethnicities, and backgrounds. And I believe I, the more that they keep showing it, the more it'll re-educate the, pres the, the power of the police in the way that they interact with society here in this country. Yeah. And obviously it's something that affects everyone around the world too. Now, Annie, you were mentioning about uh, unconscious racism and it reminded me of how uh, Dr. Aaron Gandhi, the grandson of Mahatma Gandhi, talks about the indirect attitudes, the indirect anger, the indirect violence that we have. And it is definitely something that we all need to be aware of. It's something we need, always need to be aware of, absolutely. Do you think that society is capable of learning from any of these events? No, I'm a definite optimist when it comes to that. I honestly feel we've never been more evolved than we are today. Proof of that is the technology and the ability for us to be having this exact communion experience from different parts of the world, which is becoming more and more front and center, and mass media is becoming less and less important and relevant, so that the revelations from spirit from the spirit world and all places of goodness are getting much more the stage, the limelight and the spotlight because we don't suddenly need a middleman anymore. You don't need to have money, power, connections, authority in order to carry out your message of goodness. This has become completely democratic. So I think it takes a while for these to be cultivated, permeated in the fertile grounds all over the world. But we are definitely in a place that we're going to be learning for years the the recent events that have occurred because there's not a single voice anymore from one TV channel or one newspaper. The information has become 100% available to everybody, so. Yes, and if I could chime in, it's, I mean, we're not looking at statistics anymore. We're actually putting faces, names to ages, to creating a, a, a closer to these people, no matter where they are. So no matter where we are, we relate to this 16-year-old, to this 40-year-old, to this person that's most probably a loved one and has several loved ones that are mourning for their death. We're not just looking at statistics of, you know, there's been this many thousand black lives being, being um, affected by the police in this sort of way. It's analyzing things. And there's a positive attitude to that. And I think all these spirits, we to not only feel compassion for those that have lost them in a sense, also be super grateful that they've come in to have that, um, I'm not going to say mission, because I don't think anybody's come in a mission to in this world, but to be able to open the eyes of all of us and to bring closer together. In It's about bringing us together. I think the most important message that comes to me when, when, when we're talking about race. The reason why we're having so much media exposure is to bring together, it's not to separate us. And the more we understand that, the more we can we can come together and say, you know what, I I notice within myself that there are elements of racism. I notice within myself that there are elements of prejudice. Educate me, help me, let me see myself because we can only change that we acknowledge. Then, then there's going to be change. But the minute we can 
hitting against the wall and saying, oh, no, I'm not racist, or I don't see things like that, or I'm colorblind. That's, in, that's impossible. Nobody's colorblind. Uh, I, don't, I don't have a preconception of a nation, of a race. But that's, that's, that's because that's our educational system is flawed, and that's how we've been educated up until now. So we need to learn, as Emmanuel says, that our, 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 the spirit of Emmanuel says, our educational process needs to be restructured. And it's going to happen with us in these moments that we're having of discussing about it harmoniously and, and into things, ideas that are positive and contributing that towards the rest of the world. Can I, yeah, just it's coming to, to mind something um, because of our prejudices and, and education. And my my children, when, when they were doing the, the, the secondary education here in, in England, after the Second World War, there was a lot of um, prejudice uh, against the German uh, people because of the war and things like that. And one of the things that uh, was interesting, they were studying the First World War uh, and then the Second World War. But in the First World War, they, they went on an excursion to, to Belgium, a school excursion for history. And they visited the graves of, of the, the British soldiers and they did some work around that. And then they visited a museum about the trenches on the German side. And they saw stories about the German soldiers. And they saw pictures and personal items. And saw the, you know, the 18 year olds. And it was really, a, they walked along their trenches as well. And it was like putting them in the position of where those young German men had been in the same way that they put them in the position of where the young uh, British soldiers had been. And at the end, realizing actually whose war was this, whose interest was it to be a war? You, those people were there, there were soldiers, there were young people, just like the, the students were young people. And it really, I think, helped to build bridges to, to change yourself, to put yourself in the other person's shoes, go, go and visit the other side. And I think that, that educational effort was made. And I think that nowadays, the younger generation will have much better relationship uh, between the British and the Germans because of this. But I think that, you know, looking for, I, I don't have solutions for America or other places, but I think that education really can make the difference because the young people, they, they can experience what is it like and why did this happen? Who had an interest in dividing us and divide and conquer and these things? And who has an interest that we can continue to be divided and separated? Are we being manipulated? So I think young people are really for sure through education i think they are a future and us as, as the previous generation we have to wake up you know we have our shortcomings but be open also to to look at things and challenge ourselves and some of our beliefs that we learned at school they might not fit and that is why i love spiritism because it has like i say the law of progress as progress is inevitable we will progress whether we like it or not if we work with it, we progress more smoothly. <laughs> if we fight against it, it's harder work. I always think of the sea. You know, when you swim in the sea and you've got the current, you can try to swim against the current. You get very tired. And when you get exhausted, the current will just take you. Alternatively, you could have swum with the current and you would have already been there ages ago. So for me, that is how it is in life as well. And sometimes we might have resistance for whatever reasons or, or difficulties. But if we look at it and say, no, we need to progress on this because the, our future lies with one another. And even the COVID, you know, if we don't help 
India or Brazil or the other countries and the other variants are coming up there, what's the point of us having all our vaccines done and dusted when a new variant can come up that might defy it? So we're all in this together on this planet and we have to overcome this uh, small thinking of my people, my tribe uh, and, and these separations. I would love to jump into what you said and because uh, regarding spiritism and all of these ideas that were revealed by spirits to us in so many different places have brought a greater understanding for me and my own prejudices and my own preconceived ideas regarding a central character of the gospel named Judas, one of the apostles. And there's a book by Humberto de Campos, Humberto's friend here, same name, Humberto de Campos, wrote many, many books through the medium Chico Xavier, Chico Xavier, and one of them was called Good News, which was passages from the gospel that were greatly expanded, and he almost takes us behind the scenes of what was happening that day that prompted Christ to leave such a powerful parable or a teaching that we know today. And there's an entire chapter dev devoted to Judas. And it has completely transformed the way I looked at that uh, man because he takes us to the psyche of Judas. He takes us to the emotional state of Judas and how Judas was perceiving the whole thing. And we are left with the understanding that his intention was the purest, it was the best. Yes, he was a little bit influenced by power and politics and wanting to accelerate the ideas of the gospel by getting them to be endorsed by the rich, powerful, and famous people of the time. And in that process, he got lost. But what's really beautiful is that I learned about this in that book, thanks to this vast spiritist literature at our disposal today. Hopefully, this book will be published in English very soon, as I understand it's on its way, that when Christ expires in the cross, the first thing he does is go to the lower regions in the spirit realm where the spirit of Judas is vibrating in a deep, deep state of inner turmoil and pain and suffering, almost mentally deranged. And he, he describes in the book that Jesus just sits there as cradles, nestles Judas' spirit and sort of sits there with him until he manages to get him to fall asleep. And there's another book by Maria Dolores, who is a famous poet from Brazil, that Chico uh, wrote a book called Heart and Life in 1968, I believe, that is a poet, a poem that shows the moment that Mary Magdalene meets Christ on Sunday morning of the resurrection. The poem describes uh, that he says, please don't touch me yet because I have not ascended to the Father. And she asks him, but where have you been this time? And he said, well, Mary, a friend can never uh, truly be happy when he realizes that a fellow friend of his has fallen. Rather than ascending, I actually descended to the depths of the, of the places of turmoil and I went to rescue our beloved friend Judas. And so when I come out from that narrative, I look at our world today of so many brothers and sisters that proclaim themselves to be Christian but still carry out the tradition of humiliating Judas in the public square, as if Christ was demanding some kind of retribution, you know, as if Christ asked us to do this. But it just a, it's a, just a projection of our 
inner anger, our inner hatred, right? So I will just finish this thought by, by, by um, mentioning a famous uh, speaker, of, a spiritist speaker from Brazil, Haroldo, who says, guys, imagine if right now in this room walked the spirit of Judas and he sat there next to us, how would we react? I think our first uh, reaction to everything, our first answer to everything is uh, aggression and, and reaction, actually. And that's the source of many cases, many demonization of others. But uh, to move our spotlight back to Martin Luther King, who was uh, one of the greatest modern saints and, and missionaries that we know about. Uh, the reason why he was so influential and uh, why his revolution was so powerful, so touching, is that it was based on uh, Jesus' principles of radical equality, of universal brotherhood. There is not us and them, us against them. This is the, the, the source of all, mistake, uh, of, of, of all mistakes. There's just um, us and, and we are brothers and, and we are children of God and our rights, they come from our maker. We don't need uh, society to acknowledge it. Society will eventually move to, uh, to this point or in, in this direction, but uh, our rights are natural because they come from God, from the fact that we received them in our constitution, in our spirit. Uh, and we, we know them uh, because uh, these rights are written in our conscience. Yeah, I'm, I'm still reflecting on education. Um, the reflection on education is, is fundamental for us to, to evolve. And we look, we have to part from the principle that the only perfect being that has walked on earth is Jesus. Then everyone else has their flaws, their flaws, their, um, um, their concepts and their notions that have been erroneous. So the studies of um, the study of biology, the study of where we came from, the study of the genes, the fact that every single one of us is meshed into, into each other, we all originated from Africa. The fact that um, you know, politically looking at what slavery exactly, what it meant, slavery um, to the people that enslaved, you know, it's actually an evolution of instead of massacring people, they slaves. It's, it's a step in the progress. And we, and, and we look at everything and, and we criticize everything in, the, in, in a shocking way, which if we were, we had education, that foundation, that education would be able to look at it less judgmentally, more constructively. It's about the constructive criticism and, and looking at, okay, well, it happened and this is why it happened and no, it's not okay. No, we won't accept it, but we're not going to hate it. We're not going to be, you know, we're not going to make this a division. It's something that is is um, emerging out of uh, the law of and effect, out of consequences, because we're in a universe that has, you know, perfect 
which we have to we have to deal with these consequences now and how are we going to manage them? And I don't believe we can manage any of this unless we form the way that we are educated. And uh, Anna um, brought the example of the schools here, and thankfully there is like, gradually um, starting to bring um, this, this unity relations with people and, and trying to put ourselves in other people's shoes. That is important to start developing empathy for children, to start developing empathy for children, to start understanding, because then they're, they're, they're definitely going to be our future. They are definitely going to be the consequence, and these are the spirits that are returning and being re-educated. And I think we're all open to that. I'd have to completely agree that education is so fundamental for us, and especially right now, because where there is a lack of education, there is an increase in false information. There's an increase in discrimination, an increase in profiling, which, and these, we know that these things have increased this past year. You know, at the start of the COVID pandemic, members of the Asian community were targets of physical and verbal abuse because of where this virus started from. You know, Asian stores and oriental sections of supermarkets were heavily vandalised. Here in the UK, black people were repeatedly stopped while driving just to get takeaways because of racial profiling by the police. Anti-Semitic and homophobic abuse has increased online to an extent that many people are now afraid that physical hate crimes will actually increase when more COVID restrictions are lifted around the world. Now, considering that we are in the 21st century, slavery has been abolished in most of the world, Political correctness has provided a level of awareness against racial prejudice in the media. Schools do teach historical facts about discrimination and its impact on societies. And we live in an age, like we said before, where information is easily available within a couple of seconds. Why do we still see prejudice and discrimination nowadays? I would just say it's just because of our stage of evolution because uh, we are still very self-centered. And as long as we are self-centered, we can't see the other. So if you consider reincarnation, for example, I might be reincarnated in a particular social group or ethnicity or a, a nationality or, or whatever, a particular group, this life. Next life, I might be in a different group. and. I might need to be in a different group to actually experience what it's like to be in those other shoes, literally. But we are still very primitive. So we have the ego is still at the center. We are still very concerned only about ourselves. And that I think that is where the, the issue lies. You know, no, that's, that's one of the principles. And our last unawareness of ourselves is really really causes us to jet outside our shadows so if you look at any sort of prejudice discrimination we may have about other people it usually is a reflection of something in ourselves that is unresolved so when we look at that again um, and i'm going to keep on shining and hitting on the head about about self-awareness and, and education is once we get to know ourselves, if we start doing that inner journey, I mean, COVID is wonderful at putting us all 
inside our homes, inside our spheres, and make us to make us really look at ourselves or who we are and and what it is that's inside and, and, and we can't run out and try to discuss ourselves with the world. We really have to stay in and have that inner reflection. Unfortunately what's come out isn't pretty. That's where we're getting our depressions, getting our anxieties and we're getting our our discriminations and prejudices and everything just emerging and coming out. But again, it's like it, it's like uh, the Lord. It's, it's the dirt coming out from underneath, you know, that river where we want that water to come out and we want these things to come out gradually. And um, but we need we need the support. Is where this is where our faith and and our understanding and our beliefs and and the unity uniting and saying, you know what, I feel similar to this. Whereas, you know what, this this is okay. I understand that there's that shadow, but it needs to be re-transformed. So I think it's it's really a lack of of, of self awareness that that these these things have been have been portrayed. And like I'm, I'm already and you already said it's you know it's the world of transformation still. We're going into the regeneration process, but we're still expiating. We're still ex, ex, um, expelling that which is dark which has cultivated within ourselves. Just as a curiosity, some very recent surveys among the Brazilian population show that intolerance and prejudice are heavily correlated to age. So the older one is more likely uh, to be um, for him or for her to be uh, races or to have um, homophobic, transphobic or whatever sort of prejudice uh, we can imagine. So uh, I think this is a, a small sign that education does work a lot. And that if I can, if I can actually affirm point, if we look at, um, if we look, I look at patients with dementia. Um, once you get into a stage where inhibitions have been, where um, you know the memory is is there being sorted, and all of the polishes of the world is removed, the the atrocities that come out is is it's shocking to society. But to me, I look at it and it's like, good, okay, well now we can see face to face the art. And 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 we're seeing a rise in dementia in society, and then we wonder why is that? You know, so we're here on Earth to experience on Earth, um, and to try to live through in this in this carnal cage which the which the spirit is in, and to try to really face it, um, look in the mirror, and to be able to see. And I keep on wondering in the spiritual in the spiritual plane what that experience must be. For the spirit to be able to see themselves expressing themselves as they are, where you'll see the red comments and you see the prejudice, and it just comes out as clear as day. So it's it's not about being afraid of it or shunning it or or judging it. It's not accepting, it, but being aware that yes, it's there, and that's how it's been in the past. There's a reason for it. But what are we going to do with it now? What's our what's our projection for the future? 
I think with every generation, we develop greater consciousness as a result of the inheritance of victories that the previous generation was able to manifest in the physical world. And so the younger generation automatically reincarnates with that extra baggage of spiritual insights and greater consciousness and spontaneously uh, vibrates in that because it's a collective acquisition. And I think that also speaks to what you mentioned, Danuza, as the older generation tends to be more prejudiced and full of discrimination. It's, I guess it's just simply a byproduct of the education that they were given decades ago when the world was very different decades ago. And for example, I wanted to bring up this, um, wanted to mention this title for those that are listening, because one of the things that I feel that uh, is not very much uh, divulged in our spiritist circles is the wealth of wisdom of spiritualist literature that came to the world in North America as well as Britain at the time of Kardec. And we don't often bring that to the fore, to the fore because we don't associate it with strictly spiritist literature, but it's, it's from the same uh, essential ideas. And there is a book that was published in 1852 in New York called Communications, from Many Spirits by the Hands of Isaac Post. Isaac Post was a medium, a Quaker, and him and his wife were at the forefront of the abolitionist movement of women's rights. I mean, this is the 1850s, the abolitionist movements and women's rights. And they were Quakers who were a very uh, peaceful people and very uh, proactive in their expressions of faith. And this uh, book is just a treasure. The name of the book is Voices from the Spirit World, Communications from Many Spirits by Isaac Post. If you put that as a PDF, you'll see that there are communications from Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, Emmanuel Swedenborg, Benjamin Franklin's wife, and all of them are deeply profound in their universality. These were men who lived at the time that slaves existed. They had their biases. They had the, the predominance of the material world that they lived in also affecting their filters, their cultural filters. And some of the things that they said uh, or did were profoundly racist in our eyes today. But when you see them coming through this medium and revealing these concepts, they are just so liberating, calling in such a universal way that it, it makes me think how far we have come and how much we identify with our personality of this life. And I think that if people just accept the idea of reincarnation as a concept that makes sense and go with it, it starts to melt away at these identities that we place ourselves so strongly to, right? I'm a Brazilian man and this and that and the other. And my spirit, the individuality, is so much more than that, right? Uh, I, I love this book. It's one of my favorite books. And uh, my favorite uh, communication in this book is uh, the one delivered by William Penn. Yeah, I think we'll definitely try to find the link of that and make that available for all our listeners out there. Now, we know that other areas of daily life that have been affected by these same kinds of thoughts which relate to racism, gender inequality, homophobia, etc., are sport and religion. 
a recent report by the BBC highlighted how there is racism and ethnic imbalance within the Church of England, where there are very few non-white, non-heterosexual priests. British football and rugby have reported the same, where it is even mentioned that there is a heightened stigma regarding gay players in the men's leagues. However, a sexist expectation of lesbian players in the women's leagues. Various sports people from different ethnic backgrounds have reported an inequality in relation to how they are treated, the positions they can play in, and even the pay that they receive. Within the artistic world, racial and cultural identity is, of course, an integral part of music, films, literature, even poetry. The level of praise and criticism that American Youth Poet Laureate Amanda Gorman received at her recital during the inauguration of President Joe Biden has obviously been covered a lot in the media. And we've already mentioned before that the George Floyd events have impacted television and film, where producers have taken steps to avoid both cultural appropriation as well as to tackle historical racial and cultural prejudices. It is, of course, important to respect cultures, abilities and diversity. However, at what point does something cross from being appreciation to being appropriation? To put it another way, where can we find the balance between artistic license and freedom of expression and political and ethical correctness? Appreciation, gosh, goodness. World, world came up. My sister, who's um, 17, she became home when she was telling me about appreciation and being on about it and getting very passionate. And I was like, hold on, hold on, slow down, slow down. What, what does that mean? Um, I'm, I'm black with um, Middle Eastern features, um, with a Brazilian background, brought up in the UK. And sometimes I wear dreadlocks, sometimes I straighten my hair, sometimes I wear flat, sometimes I'm blonde, sometimes I'm darker. And I like the freedom of being able to do that without saying that you're appropriating from the white race, from the Asian race, from, from the race or whatever it is. It's the expression of my spirit, of the spirit that I am. And appropriation to me is another way of division because if, if the spirit who is incarnated and is brought into this earth with a creativity of wanting to express themselves and admire a, a culture, then they should be free to do that. So it's all about seeing the thoughts. What's the intention behind everything that we're doing? And once us individuals, we start learning how to think for ourselves, we don't need to be censored anymore. We don't need to be... Um, we don't need to have external image, images to validate who we are. Because that's the main idea. It's saying, oh, now I can see, now that I've got a black president or a black first lady, now I feel like I could be somebody in the world. No, no, no. You could be somebody in the world regardless if all of the, the presidents were white. You know, it's this, it's this notion, although there's a beauty in being able to see different ethnicities popped up and, and, and seeing them being expressed and, and showing their beauty and the expression of their beauty out there, but we really need to learn how to validate ourselves without needing that coming from the outside. And once we validate ourselves, it's going to be a natural consequence that we're going to emerge, that we're going to... It's it, 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 the example, there was a Brazilian expression, you know, the word to be able to um, spark up 
and then trust that it's the example that's going to drive through. So what's the example that each individual is doing in, our, in my life? But in an institutional, in an institutional sort, sort of way, um, I think it's important that we're talking about it and that people are, are trying to, the people that have the power are trying to make changes and are opening that sort of um, concern and, and taking it seriously. It's, it's, it's really valid, isn't it? But it's important for us to really think about it as individuals. What is it that I can change within myself before trying to go out there and complain about what's being changed in the world? I think this is another issue in which we have to discern the material from the spiritual or mental aspect of, of what is what, what we are discussing. Uh, because uh, tools, techniques, objects developed in uh, geographical isolation, in centuries or millennia of geographical isolation, and we immediately identify them and relate them to, to Africa or to Japan or to Brazil or whatever uh, other country we may imagine. But uh, cultural objects are carriers of meaning and therefore they are ultimately spiritual products and they do not belong to a specific gender or to a specific ethnical groups in the sense that they are carriers of meaning they are symbolic forms to uh, signify or to mean something and uh, as spiritual objects they they belong to spirits that was so well put i'm at a loss of words <laughs> well it, it is a it is a difficult subject to think about because again where where can one thing end and another thing start it just comes immediately I, i'm with danusa with freedom i i'm all for freedom of the spirit but my freedom ends when your freedom begins my rights end when your rights begin and it's about about where are those boundaries with each other and to to piggyback on what Anne just said it goes back to that principle in the gospel about to the same measure that you evaluate and judge others, you will be judged in the same proportion, the same measure. And that's just not an outside tribunal, but our own conscience. And so to the extent that we look, in the, look out into the world with such policing impulses, you can't, you cannot, you're supposed to, you're not supposed to. It, this is a state of inner turmoil that's just merely being projected into things out there that we're observing in the news. And so if I'm able to radically, using Martin Luther King's uh, revolution, radical universality and nonviolence, right? if I can radically shorten the measure that I look out into the world filled with judgment, then the more I set myself free. And this also comes to mind that other maxim of the teaching of Jesus, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. It's an inner truth. It's nothing from out there that's going to set me free. It's an inner knowing through knowing ourselves, as, as Danusa mentioned, know thyself, that's ultimately going to set me free from judging the world in a way that confines it, suffocates her, or uh, puts labels of condemnation in some way, right? 
well, uh, maybe the, the the first reason for not pretending in 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 Brazil, not pretending being uh, black, because there are some uh, small, very small social um, protections to the black community, for example, is uh, honesty and, and the fact that it will harm your own identity. So you, you may love uh, Japanese culture and uh, it, it may be a, a nice feature of your own life, but uh, once you start pretending you're Japanese, you may lose touch with reality and end up uh, not understanding and recognizing what you really are and what your roots are and uh, to have an identity even uh, in this more material aspect like uh, how is my body and, and which gender do I uh, have or assume or whatever uh, this identity is important to ground our life, our consciousness in uh, a given history that uh, we cannot just uh, make up uh, at will. We know that there are positive th things happening, especially within the younger communities. For example, students at Pimlico Academy in London recently formed a protest against uniform changes that would prevent and I quote, haircuts that block the view of others, or would also mean that Muslim girls couldn't have hijabs, the traditional head covering, which are, and I quote, too colourful. British charity, the Little Princess Trust, who makes wigs for girls and young women who have lost their hair due to cancer treatment or other medical conditions, was influenced by an 11-year-old girl called Carly Gorton from Norfolk, who petitioned them to start making Afro hair wigs and actually donated her own hair to be used in one of their first wigs. Now, thinking from a spiritist perspective, how can we help promote diversity, acceptance, tolerance, and respect? Um, diversity, again, it's, I think it's bringing us out of ourselves. When we are in, in a position in which all we can uh, worry about is ourselves, and the spirits call it selfishness, but it's a, like an egocentric kind of living, you can't see anything else. And diversity, I think, in a way, is showing us the, the diversity of God's creation uh, and that we are not the only uh, we are not the only ones, we are not the only way. Uh, and it helps us to bring us out of ourselves. That, that's what I think. And uh, make us curious about different ways of doing things, different ways of living, uh, different ways of expressing yourself, not to be threatened by it. But, you know, like we always say in my work, there's some, an expression called professional curiosity. So when you see something that's a bit different, ask them, why is that different? <laughs> what does that mean? Tell me, show me, share with me, rather than saying, hmm, that's different. It must be dodgy. It, so that, that, that movement towards looking at the other and finding what are the things that bring us together what are the things that are different, but we, we can be different and still be together. 
and not be threatened by it. That's that, those are my thoughts at the moment. You know, when I first joined, um, I, I first started studying things about 12 years ago. And um, at the time, I remember when we said project came to studies, and we could see everybody in the study group, and I sent it over to a family member in Brazil, and most of my family is, is of a black origin. And the family member came down to me and said, whoa, that's a lot of white people. And he said, there are no black people in your study group. And I said, I have no idea because this is fascinating. This is so good. Like, we all should be studying this. This is really cool. And now, you know, they're, they're, they're spiritists as well and, and, um, and participating groups as well. But I think the main way of promoting diversity is putting ourselves into, into places that are diverse, that are different from us. And, and then once we, and, and, and try to find something that we can relate with and something, and I remember that some of the ideas that was completely to me as, as the nature, but not as an immortal spirit, it was to me, it just took a little while. I was like, okay, well, it didn't quite make sense. Let me try, you know, it just, it feels right. It just doesn't sound right yet to me. Explain that properly to me, you know? I can I can respect it, but how can I integrate into my way of being? And we can do that with with philosophies. We can do that with music. We can do that with art, with culture. And there's so many different ways of putting ourselves out of our comfort zone and integrating something that's different. I think that's the best way of promoting diversity rather than expecting diversity to come to the outside. Yeah, I think I'm... This is a perfect segue, Danusa, what you just mentioned, because I'm in my mind trying to how to best answer this question. And I think the question I, I, I try to answer the question first with the question, what do you mean by diversity? Because if I want to pull a thread from what Umberto mentioned earlier, there's material things, there's cultural things, there's spiritual things. Do I want spiritual diversity, material diversity, moral diversity? Because, for example, in the spirit world, there is no moral diversity. The regions in the spirit world, the cities, are grouped together by affinities of intellectual pursuits of people that are doctors or like music or like the arts. They tend to band together because they share that affinity. Uh, and there's also moral affinity. If they've acquired bigger virtues, they are less materialized in a dense way, so they're able to ascend to higher frequencies and dwell there, whereas those spirits that haven't achieved that degree of purity simply can't access. So promoting diversity in what way? If it's purely in a material way, then I also need to be able to understand in my own conscience what movement does my spirit need to make in this context that is going to be ultimately beneficial for my spiritual growth. Because I, I, I take this and I, I, I try to tie it to that passage in the gospel when Jesus says, who is my mother? Who is my brother? And he says, in truth, the one that does the will of my father who is in heaven. That's my brother. That's my mother. And so this is an affinity that we share and we want to draw people near to us that are like us in that sense, right? And so 
I think we need to be able to, um, I, I just, when I hear a lot of these um, counter movements of excessive political correctness and excessive, like the cultural appropriation that your 17 year old um, friend Danuza came in very self-righteous and just bombastically, uh, you know, raising that flag. I, if it's purely from a material point of view, it can blind our spirit, right? We can get completely lost in this. And as Umberto said, we need something to grind, ground us, uh, but we can't get stuck on these labels that are just making everything more complicated than it really needs to be. <laughs> I wanted to say something that, um, uh, based on what Fred was just commenting about diversity, and it's something that I normally say, and I, I, I believe it, it's, it has an elemental, or it's, it's true, so maybe if I'm not, please correct me. But when we are in the spiritual world, we are with like-minded people. We are with people on the same level as us, with the same level of morality. When we come in for an incarnation, this is our unique opportunity of being together with people who are different, of different levels of evolution, of different things and that we learn from one another so although our bodies uh, are human bodies uh, we might live in different areas in the spiritual world but when we come into the earth we share the experience with this diversity with this variety and i think that as god intended there is some profit from it there must be something that we can gain and maybe we don't totally understand but i think it's by by looking at the other and seeing what do we see in, in our neighbor who might be different to us? And what do we see, what is common in our humanity? What's common in our spirituality? So they might be from a different culture. Well, I mean, this is a very, I guess, New York, it's the same. But in London, there are such a, I mean, a variety of cultures living side by side. And sometimes you don't understand their culture. You, you, you don't know why they do certain things. And I was a community healthcare worker, and I'd go into lots of different houses. And I had to learn lots of different customs because people would take offense if not. For example, if I went into the home of somebody from Afghanistan and they just had a baby and I'm checking their baby, they would offer me tea and I'd say, no, thank you. They offer me cake. I say, no, thank you, because I'm working and I, you know, I, I don't want to be distracted and I don't want to need to go to the loo in the next house. So I'd say, no, no, no. And then in the end, they kept offering and offering. And then finally, the one of the young uh, persons in the house came and said to me, please, ma'am, accept something, because if not, our house will not be blessed because you have refused all our hospitality. And I was like, "Whoo, no idea. No idea. I was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize that for them in their culture, that was really important. So I'm refusing because I'm on my project. I do my job and I don't want to, to cause an inconvenience. But for them, because I've gone into their home, although it's in a professional capacity, if I don't accept their hospitality, that says bad, bad things about them as a family. They feel cursed. They feel bad. So I said, no, no, no. OK, let's see. Show me again. <laughs> and in the end, I, I said, look, I'll take some cake, wrap it up for me. I'll take it with me and I'll have it when I have my coffee break. And they will, they will have, they will, oh, they could all breathe. And so then after that, when I went into other homes and people started bringing me things, I said, aha. I said, look, I can't have it now, but we can wrap it up and take it. So I quickly cottoned on, and it was a good thing because I got lots of lovely treats. But it was it, it was just about learning about a different culture. Uh, and it was new to me. I'd never met somebody from Afghanistan before. I'd never been into their home before. 
and and it, it was unusual. So thank God that that person came to me and said, look, we really need you to accept something because if not, it's going to be bad for us. And then the penny dropped. So I think that's like a simple example I give. But it, it's one that if I wasn't living here in London and having that exposure, I might never have that experience. And that makes me think about you assume that everybody lives like you do, you know, like your family life. Uh, you, it's not. And and doesn't mean that it's bad or it is different, but we have our humanity in common. And you can find those bridges that of the things that connect us. But we're not all going to be clones uh, all the same because we do have this, when we are different spirits, we have all our creativity, all our different levels of evolution and different experiences which will manifest in some way in the way we live our lives. Something like that. Just for you guys to know, the, the rule of hospitality is also valid in Minas Gerais, Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. And certainly good food comes from that region. <laughs> but go, just, go, go, just going to what you were saying, Anne, and what other comments that Fred was saying as well, is that we have these labels, and one label is the word neighbour. And we have a certain expression that's been around, written down for over five and a, four and a half thousand years, which is love your neighbour as yourself. Is humanity at a stage where we can actually start to learn what this actually means? Well, I mean, the, the, the fact is that there's more that unites us and separates us, regardless of diversity. There's much more. And now with the situation of COVID, where a lot of us have been isolated within our own bubbles, we hope that one of the good things that will come out is desire to get out of these comfort zones, which are uncomfortable, and and see what, what is out there. And I don't know, when we have our, our material freedom taken away from us and we realize, we start reflecting, the hope is that a reflective process is happening within each one. And we're starting to notice, you know, that neighbor that you never said hello because you were too busy running out to go to work or because your times didn't immigrate. Now that you're at home, you can hear them through the walls or downstairs or, you know, maybe now you want to knock on the door and check out to see how they're doing, no matter where you are in the world. So there's, there's, there's a tool for it and there's definitely a reason for it. There's an excuse for us to come out of our comfort zone and to really get out of our own segregation because I think segregation isn't just the outside world. It's a it's an internal construction that we we only want to stay with spirits, we only want to stay with resilience, we only want to stay, you know, because that's more comfortable. And I've known so many and this is judgment, this is just a reflection of um Brazilians in the UK that go to Brazilian shops to buy Brazilian food. Well why don't you try something different? You know, so, you know, go into Tesco, try something a little bit, you know, that's that side of your comfort zone. So that's, that's, that's a mentality to me of segregation. And yes, we want that comfort of always, of, of what is known to us, but it's really important for us to put into situations that are different, listen to something that's different, that's a little bit odd to us, so that it stops being so odd. 
But cheese bread is so wonderful. Yeah, on your keys. I know, I know, I'm guilty of it. <laughs> yeah, there are some things one just has to keep. <laughs> this sort of uh, self-segregation uh, is, is very sad because it's also a form of uh, self-limitation to some extent and uh, this this is a good way to uh, avoid growing and 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 changing and learning and i would say adam you know at first if you send that question are we ready to love our neighbor as ourselves i could turn to statistics today and say no and I can mention the suicide statistics, where by the sheer number of suicides that happen on the planet today, that number is far greater than all the wars, all the victims of gun violence, than all of the other diseases combined. And the number keeps growing. So that leads me to that realization that we need to learn to love ourselves first, in order for that to start reverberate outward and reach the neighbor next to me. And I think we've been conditioned by organized religion and by authority figures, monarchies and systems of oppression for so many centuries to jump to punishment. You're guilty, you're innocent, you're free, you're in jail. And these memories whether we remember them consciously or not, they are in our spirits from these lives that we've lived in those circumstances. And those traumas, they are in our subconscious mind, alive now at some point. And so they do influence how we act today. And I think that's why we are still a society that's so quick to condemn, to judge, to punish others and ourselves, right? And that passage of the adulterous woman in the middle of the, the square and Jesus just instructing through silence in his example for people just, just let go of the stones. They're in your hand, drop them, drop the stones. And I'll conclude with another passage from the Sermon of the Mountain when he says one of the Beatitudes, blessed are the pure of heart for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, of heart, they shall see God. When I, I'm able to get close to that level, guess what? I start to see God in my neighbor and in everyone. And then it, it, there's no stones anymore. I, there's just an embracing, right? So. Thank you all for those thoughts about these difficult topics. Certainly, we can see that there are signs of love and comprehension around the planet. We have this question from Anna Julia. What does Spiritism say about abortion? Annie? Hi, yes. This is a question that comes up a lot that is in the Spirits book. It is a question that you could have a whole weekend of workshops to work on. It is a, it is a very deep and complex uh, question. It is one also that causes a lot of polarization in my experience. Uh, people tend to have very strong opinions uh, or uh, one side or another side 
And I'd like to just at this moment take a step back from that. I'd like to say, and when you're talking about, about abortion, I, I imagine that you, you're talking about a provoked abortion, a, a termination, because the, an abortion is a loss of the pregnancy, which could be spontaneous, like a miscarriage. It could be a missed abortion when the baby uh, dies but is not expelled, or it could be a provoked abortion when something is done, some action is done to end the, the pregnancy, whether by the person themselves or uh, other people. Abortions, uh, provoked abortions, terminations are as old as humanity on earth. You will find in the Egyptian papers uh, potions for abortion in the Roman times and the Greeks. It is something that humanity has been exercising. Uh, and therefore, it's not going to have an easy solution very quickly. The, when we look at it from a spiritist perspective, it's thinking, we are here for an experience. We are here for a moment of evolution. And if a pregnancy comes to us at a moment when we think it's not the right moment, or we are not ready for it, or we don't want it, I think that the question is rather than saying that this is bad, you shouldn't do it, uh, because if you, if you just go along that line, which is like the church's line, things like that, you don't get any reflection. You don't get any growth from it. So I would just like to leave the question, if somebody is considering an abortion, okay, I must make a parenthesis here. Abortion in the UK is lawful according to the law of man. I know in countries like Brazil, it's not lawful according to the law of man. But in terms of the law of God, what it is, uh, so the spirits in the spirits book say, oh, it's a crime. What do you mean a crime? You don't want to criminalize people who are perhaps desperate. You're saying it's a crime against God's law, which is a law of love. And how do, are you transgressing the law of love by having a termination? I would suggest that people, when, if they are considering to have a termination, that they think about what it is that is motivating them to do this. What are the obstacles that are in the way that seem so unsurmountable that this seems like the only solution? I invite people to try and talk to others, to find support with others. Of course, abortions might be the result, uh, people are choosing them because they're the result of violence, they're the result of shame, uh, they could lead to shame, they could lead to death. I mean, in some families, there's lots of very complex issues. So I would go with Fred earlier on with the story of the adulterous woman when Jesus says, let go of the stones, let's not be throwing stones at people who are having this dilemma because there for the grace of God go I. We only know that if we had the same situation, would we be able to make a balanced decision? So it's all about growth and development and thinking, if I feel that it's too hard for me to have this pregnancy now, this is too difficult, maybe this experience then, then will revisit me at another point and it will carry on to be difficult because that is the lesson. Is there a different way of finding a solution? So when we have a termination, we know that we are impeding the spirit that was designated for that body to come into a life. So we had the opportunity, somebody gave us opportunity to come into life, to have a body. The spirit that was trying to come in that way might be a loved one of ours that's coming to actually help us. But it might not seem like that at the moment because of the situation. And if somebody is so desperate that they're thinking of committing suicide 
or taking their own lives because they cannot tolerate, they cannot deal with this. It is better in that case for them to have an abortion than to lose their own life because it would be loss of one life and not of two. This is not an easy topic, and I want anybody who's listening who might be considering it to think outside the box a little bit and see if you might not be able to find a different solution. But if you've done this and you feel feeling guilty, don't feel guilty. We just talked about love yourself, forgive yourself. Everybody makes mistakes. We've all made mistakes. We all had hundreds and hundreds of incarnations. For sure, all of us perhaps have been there at some point or will come to that point. So don't don't be hard on yourself, but just think, okay, this 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 is a mistake. What can I do differently? So what was it in your motivation that you feel you need to address? Do you need to overcome your fear of the judgment of others, your fear of not having enough provisions, your fear of losing your youth, your fear of uh, being uh, considered an outcast? What is it? Where did that fear come from? And that is where your key issue is. And that will be will come up again because all our key issues, they come up regularly. And at some point we will conquer them because progress is inevitable. So first of all, love yourself, embrace yourself because we are all God's children and let no one pick up the first stone to throw it because no one has that right. Uh, we have a question here from Summer. What does Spiritism say about, are we only here to suffer? Is suffering the only way to learn? Umberto? Oh, this is a very, very hard question. I would say no, certainly not, because uh, a loving uh, and wise God would never put us here in this life just to suffer. But we have to acknowledge and, and, and accept that suffer does exist. Uh, when I was uh, there in your country, in, in Oxford, uh, there was a, a meeting of the Philosophical Society, if I'm not mistaken. And there was this young philosophy student that said, well, I'm not an atheist, I'm uh, an anti-theist. Because even if God existed, I would oppose him with all my strength because I hate God. Well, uh, this is quite shocking uh, comment uh, or expression because first, uh, because it's uh, uh, not very philosophical. One should always be open to novelty and to change uh, and therefore open-minded. But uh, what uh, this young man actually meant, I think, is that existentially he could not deal with the problem of, of suffering. And uh, since suffering exists, we need a strong philosophical answer in order to conciliate the idea of suffering and the fact that suffering does exist with the idea of a loving God, because for many people there uh, seem to be a contradiction between these two ideas, a powerful, wise and, and good 
supreme creator and agent in the universe and so much pain misfortune uh, disgrace and and suffering these two ideas they cannot uh, come along uh, together well uh, religions and philosophies along the history of humanity try to answer uh, this problem uh, from uh, a very broad and very consistent uh, philosophical perspective that is to say um, explaining how and why suffering may be necessary or an inevitable consequence of our free will this is, was Augustine answer for example and that was also uh, the line uh, in which uh, Buddha tried to answer the, the same question or tried to address the same problem. So if we pay attention to this uh, unity between many cultures, many uh, proposals of, of answer to this question, we will see that there is some perennial and universal um, and, and efficient or uh, consistent answer to, to this problem in the form of uh, a more complex uh, arrangement of the universe that allows uh, suffering but does not make suffering the, the end of this or any other form of life. Fred, what can you tell us about your show, Spirit Reflections? During the pandemic last year, I started this YouTube channel called Spirit Reflections, which is a channel of interviews that I invite people from all walks of life, artists, scientists, people of religious backgrounds or no background of, of any religion whatsoever, to share their personal journey, their personal and spiritual journeys, what tools they found along the way and how those tools helped shape who they are and the work that they do today. And it's meant to bring people around this fire. I call these conversations around the fire so that the idea is we have a very spontaneous chat, one hour long, it's like a fireside chat, and people interact, ask questions, and hopefully leave that fireside chat feeling a little more comforted, more enlightened, and provoked some reflections around the spirit, spirit reflection. So that's what it's all about. Annie, we've obviously talked about some very thought-provoking and emotional subjects today. What have you brought to us for a moment of reflection? Um, I brought from the book called Child of God by the spirit Joanna De Angelis by the mediumship of Divaldo Franco. Uh, I bought chapter 12, it's called Your Renewal, so I'll just read it to you. You can resume an edifying task at any time. It is never too late to begin again. On the other hand, it is harmful to let a noble action go unfinished. To stop an activity whose execution is beyond your strength is understandable but just to leave it unfinished carelessly shows moral weakness. Life is full of challenges. We are constantly moving from one action to another, 
on different ascending levels of moral and intellectual values. This is the reason we must always start over again. Things are happening all the time. Now a disappointment seems to shatter your aspirations. A misfortune may seem a total disaster. A beloved one dies and leaves you a void in your heart. An insidious disease breaks down your physical resistance. A vice may almost drive you to insanity. A financial loss apparently ruins all your economic security. An unexpected betrayal almost drives you to suicide. All such trying circumstances should stir you up to start over again and never to give up. Because without such unpleasant phenomena, there would be neither progress nor liberation from our present stage of spiritual development. So, when you find yourself caught in a net of unforeseen circumstances or facing an unexpected problem, stop, calm down and meditate. Do not let yourself be dragged by tumult. Seek refuge in prayer and draw strength out of it. Everything goes. Your problems will also go away. And if you have gone through all such things, start your renewal cautiously at first until you are again integrated in constructive actions. Your renewal is the first step towards coming happiness. Well, friends, that's it for this episode of Insightfully Speaking. Don't forget to send us your thoughts and comments about this episode. Send us questions for what does Spiritism say about. Continue to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Carry on watching us on YouTube or listening to us via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you can find it. It just leaves me now to give a great big thank you to our special guests, Danusa Hangel and Fred Goivea, and a big thank you to my co-hosts, Annie Sinclair and Umberto Schubert, and an even bigger thank you to all those who've listened this far to the very end of the episode. My name is Adam Osborne, and we hope you can join us once more for another episode of Insightfully Speaking, looking at the world from a spiritist perspective. Mm -hmm.